I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we'll be talking about empowering others to make smart choices in a digital world. I'm actually really, really excited to to discuss this topic. And here with me to discuss this is founder and CEO of Smart Gen Society, Amy Komwinski. Amy, if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about Smart Gen Society and you know what it is that you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love doing things in the local Omaha community. So this is perfect. Mm -hmm. So I'm from Omaha. I grew up here off and on and ended up joining the military at just 17 years old and went off and became a computer nerd, a professional computer nerd. (laughs) So I started working in computer engineering, worked on like Honeywell mainframes and the first, you know, internet networks and really started kind of noticing how technology was changing in the business sector because that was kind of on the beginning of it. Sure. And then in the meantime, I had a family. I have five daughters that are all kind of almost out of high school and, and off in college and founded this organization about six years ago, really around the idea that we are losing a lot of the connectedness with technology when we think about how many times we can get gotten a hold of with our smartphones so that, mm-hmm. you know, we have them, um, we're connected all the time, but sometimes maybe that's not the, the best thing. So just noticing a mental health decline in people around me, my employees, especially the younger employees kind of getting out of, of college and my own kids and their friends, and just noticing how that impact of social media can make for, for your business and for your career. And if, you know, mm-hmm. making one bad tweet can come back five years later and, and get you from you know not getting that promotion that you wanted. So I'm one of the first in the country to start an organization like this and to run it as a nonprofit. So we're really proud of that being from the Omaha area. We're now in 15 states. So we're growing like really quickly. I travel all over the country talking with groups of parents and students and educators. And 80% of the work we do is proactive education, making sure that Students know how to remain safe, smart, and on brand on social media and, you know, working with those companies and their parents and a bunch of different people. But 20% of what we do now, I'm really passionate about, and it's restorative justice. So it's students that have been exploited online. How can we help them through the process of reporting to law enforcement, working to advocate for those families, and then educating with those technologies because the technologies aren't going to go away. So that's really kind of how I started here in the Omaha community and, you know, just kind of continuing to hustle and grow a nonprofit, which is not easy work. It's, it's like starting any other kind of business, except, you know, it's not the for-profit, it's the nonprofit. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting that we're, you know, we talked about it earlier. We had to just confirm that we were doing a Zoom meeting instead of an in-person meeting. And so all the while having this conversation about, you know, this digital world and its effect it's having on us, it clearly there's some some pros, you know, to having, you know, we're connected right now. And it's, it's, I think, made us a lot more flexible and allowed us to, especially over the last year and a half. I mean, heck, people can now 
work from home seamlessly. And I think it's, it's potentially better on schedules and people with families and children. And, and, and that, I think that flexibility is, is a positive one, but, but that younger age group, I mean, you know, I, I feel like back in the day and I say back in the day, I was, I guess I, you know, was, was early two thousands was when I was probably running around in elementary school. I'm 27 now, but I think my, my parents were afraid that I was going to stay out too late, right? When the, you know, stay out, out running around the neighborhood after the lights turned off or get hit by a car or, you know, that, that was always the scary thing now, but your kids upstairs in their, in their bedroom could be online. I mean, there's no restrictions on the information that they're obtaining. So, I, I mean, how do you find that balance in, you know, utilizing technology in, in this digital world for, for positive while, while maintaining kind of a good skepticism of it so that you can, you know, keep your children safe? I mean, how, how do you find that balance? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, right out of the bat, we love technology. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not going away, right? Like you said, we're having this conversation and we're able to do that. I do workshops for people in Providence, Rhode Island and, you know, San Francisco, California. So it's great to do that out of my office. Right. But it's the constant giving up the power, especially for young minds, that they're caring what other people think more than they're caring about like what they think of themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we try to really make it in in a positive light of saying, is this working for you? So when we talk with, with our audience, we're talking about like activating authenticity and critical thinking skills. So it's getting that information, you know, really how to sourcing work, like what is real information? What is not real information? Being able to see like, you know, is this a person that I value their opinion or is this somebody who doesn't really matter and it it could be bringing me down? And then it's protecting because the technology is not going to go away and social media is going to be probably forever. So we want to really teach them how do they protect their own time and energy so they can still have their like toe in the water, but they're not immersed all the time. Mm -hmm. And finally, it's that empowerment of communication because we really want to make sure that parents and students and employees and employers are having good conversations around it. And there's not shame if something does go wrong. So we want to make sure that it's okay to say, hey, I messed up and I need help with this and being able to balance that. So I think that's one of the best things that has come out of the pandemic is that we are able to be more flexible with our work. I mean, obviously, you know, like you were saying, Brooke's working from home and she's able to do that. I don't ever think we're going to go back to a full office position. I don't think employers or employees are ever going to accept that. So I think this is kind of the way it is. Mm -hmm. But then it's having that flexibility to know that you still have to control like when you want to work and when you don't want to work. Mm -hmm. So specifically, like as a a leader, I want to make sure that my employees know that I'm not going to email them after five o'clock at night, or I'm not going to send them text messages at night because I want them to know that I honor their like home time. So it's that work-life balance. And by me not doing that as like top-down C-level, then it tells the employees that it's it's you know not okay for my directors to do that same thing because I'm I'm creating that environment. Sure. So I think that that's something that employees em- employers really need to kind of talk about of saying okay if you do get an email on a weekend, obviously if you're not like you know a doctor or a lawyer or something or it's an IT emergency and I get those too. Right. But there are certain things that can wait till business hours. 
and being able to say, Hey, I'm going to send this email, but I don't expect you to answer it again until, you know, the next morning at 7am. Right. So I think it's about like creating that balance Mm -hmm. and to say, we have these technologies and these phones to make our lives easier. And it shouldn't make us more stressed out because I've worked with plenty of corporations where the, the employee balance feels like they have to be constantly connected. And then they're like, I I need a break, right? They they can never like kind of be unplugged with their family. And the whole idea of the technology is that it's, we're supposed to, it's working for us and we're not working for it. Right. No, I, I, I love that you say it that way, because I mean, I also, you, you, there's an over, you feel overwhelmed at, at times where you're just, you know, I go from one device to the next, even when I'm home. And so it's, it's been very important for me to find positive ways to unplug, right. So, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so I just recently went on a camping trip with a couple of buddies and the best, not, not the best part. I mean, the best part was being in the mountains in Colorado and doing some camping and, and hiking and, and really just roughing it for a few days. But also was as soon as we turned the corner going through winter park, my phone completely turned, it wouldn't work. And it was one of the best feelings in the world to be completely disconnected, unplugged and, and, and have no one able to, to contact you. I mean, there was something very, very freeing about that, right? Which may seem a little scary to some, but it was, I was able to be so present in the moment while, you know, without having to think about other things and getting your other, you know, your priorities and responsibilities taken care of. It was, it was fantastic. But you mentioned something earlier about teaching teaching kids, and, and I'm curious about kind of the, the age range and the demographic of people that you guys typically work with. So we can get into that if this is a caveat to that, or, or I mean, if this is a segue into that, great. That realization of, of who whose opinion matters, I didn't, you know, I didn't come to that realization until I was probably maybe a junior or senior in high school, even then it probably wasn't super solid until I, you know, was at least a year or two into college. And I said, well, this is who I am and you can take it or leave it. And, you know, anyone that has an, op- an opinion otherwise is probably not worth my time or if they are, I got to figure out how to manage that or deal with it. How do you even begin to try and get that into someone else's head that is, you know, a lot younger than that? I mean, that's a very, I think it's a very huge step to take as, as a maturing adolescent. Yeah. And it was hard even, you know, back in the day. So back in my day was much earlier than your day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have social media. I had an Atari that was my coding, you know, I was like learning basic when I was, you know, 11 on my little Atari system. But when we left school at three o'clock in the afternoon, we got to go the entire full day and night, or maybe through the weekend without looking at the faces of our classmates and not worrying about what they were doing. You know, we were like out getting dirty and, you know, climbing trees and riding bikes and, you know, playing imagination games and doing all the things. Our kids are really missing that today. Right. So one of the things that we've really taken away from our children with technology and the idea that we got kind of bought into was if we don't give them this technology, they're going to fall behind. They're not yes. going to be able, they're not going to be able to compete. Right? right. But ironically, the people who work in Silicon Valley and work with technology send their kids to no or low tech schools. Mm-hmm. So the, the Wharton school, which is very popular on the coast, it's like $36,000 per student per year. They don't have computers in the building. 
And, you know, so wow. like the jobs and the gates and, you know, Chris Anderson from Wired Magazine, they send their kids to these schools. And, you know, we think about, well, if we don't have them connected, they're not going to be successful. Well, <clears throat> Bill Gates and Steve Jobs didn't grow up with computers, yet they right. invented computers, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's no reason why our kids are, are going to get left behind. So the thing that's shocking to me and and what we really like we work with, we have a K through collegiate curriculum that we go into schools, we work with students. And then at the same time, we work with their educators and parents to get everybody kind of on the same page. But in the United States now, 56% of all five-year-olds now own their own smart device. So more than half of kindergartners have their own like old phone and iPad that they're constantly on. And if you've ever seen a little kid on a piece of device, it's like their face is blank and they're just kind of in it. When both of their hands are being With, used because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so much bigger than their hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the average age to get a smartphone now is 10.3. So your average fourth grader is going to, is having a smartphone. So it's, it's not just the phone, right? They can make calls and they can text, but it's all the applications that come with the phone and the interactive right. gaming and the social media that they want to start when they're nine and 10, which they're not legally able to do until they're 13 because of like some of our COPA laws and other privacy protection laws that we have. So the sooner that parents give these technologies like handheld devices, especially like smart tablets and smartphones to kids, kids become less imaginative. Mm -hmm. They have less time to be bored and ingenuity happens in boredom, like getting those big thinking, you know, people that are really successful in business, they take big think time every day. Like they just unplug, they just sit and they either read a book or they just sit and, and meditate or be, because that's where ideas come from. So we're really doing our, our kids a disservice by having them plugged in so much because we're going to actually fall behind even more educationally as a country. The other big thing that businesses need to realize why the education of children around technology matters to them is because when they employ these young kids coming out of high school and college, they're without soft skills. They don't know how to answer phones because they're too nervous to say hello on the phone. They don't know how to make eye contact. They can't do a decent handshake and they've lost the ability to just like to talk and have a conversation. So it's something that we're going to see that's going to highly affect our workforce coming up. So that's why our programming, again, it's important for everybody, not only the families that have these kids to keep them safe, but to be able to have the employees be trained to step into these positions and represent the brand of a company, to represent Let's and Company, to make sure that they have not only those soft skills, but what they're doing on their social media is not going to embarrass your company. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting topic as well. And I, I personally am so thankful that I'm not in a role or a position or a job or a company that requires me to be active on social media because I came to the conclusion that I was not a very responsible social media user, right? I, A, I could not put it down and B, I sometimes lack a filter, right? And that's not a place for me to voice half-baked ideas that may not be how I want to represent myself to, to the world or professionally. And so how do you advise people that are in a position where they have to be active on social media to, you know, to do that without being someone they're not? 
right? I mean, that's because you yeah. want to be genuine. Yeah, but... you want to be authentic. You yeah. don't want to like be somebody you're not. Also, we found that if you're trying to be somebody that you're not on social media and then in, in real life, you're somebody else. There's a, a a mental break on that. And that causes a lot of depression and like just kind of wondering who you are, especially sure. younger students. So some basics that we tell our business professionals, if you're going to list your employee on your Facebook page, so like when the little employer section, where do I work? If you're yeah. going to list your employer on that or on your bio in your Instagram, you have to 100% be on brand on your social media. So when I say on brand, some, you know, some things that you should post, you know, things that you have that are value representative of like what your values are, what the company's values are, doing good things for the community, motivational, picking things up, people and things you love, you know, like traveling. If you love to travel, you know, by all means, I could look at like moose pictures all day, just (laughs) like, you know, camping pictures, that kind of thing. So you just want to make sure you're staying really smart on that. And then some things not to post. And I'm so sorry that I have to say this in 2021, but if everybody could just agree not to quote Hitler, we'd be like on a, on a really good, (laughs) we'd be on a good start. I mean, like some of the things that we see that people are posting that are so off brand that it's like, you're not going to win a fight or an argument. Like, don't post that. Well, and and the shock value of something that you may think is funny because it is shocking doesn't quite translate to the social media realm. It does not translate. No. So like kind of my top five is don't say that the Holocaust didn't happen and be anti-Semitic. Right. Don't be racist. Don't be homophobic. And don't be like, you know, hate speech. Don't do hate speech. Those are kind of your basics. Like anything beyond that, as long as you're not filling those things, because there's all kinds of examples of how people are constantly losing their jobs based around like those things that they're that they're posting. Right now, the, the national human resources professionals, they report that 90% of, of HR and managers are looking at social media before they hire you. And 79% have reported that they have not offered a job based around what people have put on their social media. So for employees, it's just really simple. Like be a good human. I Mm -hmm. I like to say, what would Keanu Reeves do? Like Keanu Reeves would like not touch anybody and he would Mm -hmm. be a good human, right? (laughs) And then make sure you don't do any of those five things and and you should be okay. (laughs) Well, and it sounds so simple because basically you're saying don't suck, right? Don't, Don't suck. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's now, now there's a, there's another there's a flip side to that, that where you may say, well, had I not seen them post that on social media, I may not have known that they were a racist, but then we get down a whole realm of, uh, it, that's, yeah. I'm telling you, that's why I just said, I can't do it. I, I use it too often. I waste time on social media. And the only thing I have Facebook because you know, people like to post pictures and mm-hmm. I like to participate in that. And it reminds me of birthdays mm-hmm. and Reddit. I'm guilty of watching just really stupid videos periodically. If I just want to sit and unplug, not unplug, but just do nothing other yeah. than watch. Just kind of zone out. Zone yeah. out. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's a healthy way to use it. So you're using it for a purpose. You're just mm-hmm. kind of relaxing, right? I'm probably on social media for maybe 20 minutes a day. And usually like I'll get on Instagram and I'm usually, you know, I have five daughters. So they're like 16, 18, 20, 22, and 29. Sure. She's getting married this next year. So we're kind of going through like wedding stuff. 
Thank yeah. you. But I'll get on and I'll be like, okay, what they post, what are like the highlights from the football game? Like, you know, I'm just kind yep. of like staying a little bit like engaged, mm-hmm. but 20 minutes and then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, I've checked everybody. I've seen kind of what's going on. And then I just kind of step back. I found the same thing though with Facebook. So a little confession from me, I've been on Facebook for 12 years. Oh, wow. 12 years. Yeah. I just got off it a month ago. There you and go. It's amazing. I oh bet. my gosh. It's so amazing. So I technically still have the account because my organization's account is under my personal account. So sure. I can't get rid of it. Yeah. But I unfriended everybody. I Perfect. unfriended my husband and my kids. Like I have no friends, zero friends. <laughs> and I changed the spelling of my name. So you can't really find me. And I don't have any friends. So isn't that funny how, but you never thought you would say that you were happier than ever because you have no friends. <laughs> I, well, and that, but that's just, the, it's like the fake thing, right? Though, yep. because Facebook friends, it's like, I'd already gone and really gone down to like from 850 to like, I think I had 49. Sure. So I really kind of got it down, but it's so nice because I'm like, I'm not spending time. I'm not like checking in and on at work. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with the algorithm and how it works, like I wasn't seeing people that I wanted to see anyway, even with only 49 friends. Right. So if, when I want to like really make connections, I send text messages or I, you know, have face-to-face conversations And it's, to me, it's about having more authentic relationships. And I just didn't feel like social media was ever, was still serving me to be in authentic relationships. I like that you're going, you keep going back to that though, is, is reflecting on, is it serving me, right? Is it, Mm -hmm. is it doing something for me that is positive and do I have control over it? That's the same way I've felt with watching the news. I, I've, I completely, and now this is maybe more common in, in, in the younger ages, but I do not turn on the news and I have not missed out on one thing, right? Mm -hmm. There is nothing that I go about my day thinking, gosh, if I would have only known about that one event that happened across the world, I would be in a better situation. I'm not saying that that's the same thing for everyone, but to your point about the algorithm or whatever they do, it's, it's, it's to try and get reaction, right? They don't Mm -hmm. care if it's a positive or a negative reaction. If it gains attention, it's going to be successful for them, whether it's the news or social media. So I, yeah, I think I, that like two really big downfalls of our society and like worldwide. The first is reality television. Mm-hmm. I think it serves nobody anything <laughs> to like create better conversations. Uh, it's just all voyeuristic. Trash and the TV, second is, is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, I kind of said that when it first came out, I was like, this is not going to go well. Like yeah. <laughs> this is not going <laughs> to turn out well. And then the second thing is the 24 hour news cycle because they're mm-hmm. selling ads. It's a money making process and yep. nobody needs to have the news on that long. No. So I'm like you, I never turn on the news at all. Like the, you know, the cable news I read about I, so I listen to like, I like a lot of podcasts. So Same. I usually listen to like two news podcasts per day. That's like 10 minutes each. Mm-hmm. I get the highlights. So I feel like I'm connected. I, I'm an informed citizen, but I'm not inundating myself with all that negativity right? because it's not, it wasn't serving me. So again, like, I think it's a fine line of like, you should be informed what's, what's happening Like we can't just, you know, disconnect ourselves from society and actually be like good citizens. And, you know, we need to know how to vote and how to do other things, but we also don't need to be bathed in it 
and it just feels dirty watching it because and it's so voyeuristic the same like it's you know everything is just so negative and I think that they're just trying to sell like news cycles and sell more advertisements which gets me back to social media the entire purpose of social media is to make money it's a multi-billion dollar business so any of the listeners you have right now if they have just one social media account like Facebook Let's pick on Mark Zuckerberg for a second. So (laughs) Facebook owns, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Those are the Mm -hmm. three, like, main United States English-speaking kind of apps that they have. Each of those platforms collects data on you. So each of Mm -hmm. us that have just one account, they know about 700 data points on you. And each of those are worth 13 cents a piece. That means if you have a social media account, you're worth $91 a month to social media companies to make them money. So that's how they're getting all that, you know, revenue. It's because we're buying into it. And it's so specific. It'll show like if I'm on Instagram and I slow down on a little 300 by 300 picture of a tiny house and I look at it for 2.5 seconds, I'll get some more in my feed because they're like, oh, you like that. So I'm going right. like, to put more of that stuff on your, your feed. So it's all about click-through rates and what you look at and what you Google. And it's just, it's consumerism. So like just kind of thinking through with that critical mind of, is this serving me or am I serving it? Yeah. Because I'm for not making meet people money if I don't have to. Well, right. And when you think of it that way too, it definitely puts a little bit of a fire under you to maybe decide if it is serving you anymore when you think I'm being taken advantage of, right? Not a, and you don't have to get, you know, all tinfoil hat and right. they're controlling no, no, no. me. But it's, I mean, it, you know, it, did I choose to allow them to, you know, to make money off of my preferences and, and, and ads and things I look at? Well, yeah, I probably said yes. And like the user said at some point in the preference, but reminding yourself of that, it's like, no, wait a minute, I'm done with this. I don't need this. It, you know, there's six other things throughout my day I've been wanting to accomplish that I don't because I waste time on social media. You brought up news. One of, I, I like to listen to KVNO at 7 a.m. driving to work. I mean, yeah. I, the KVNO comes on and they do the world news and it gets to the point where it's so boring that I turn it off. And I'm like, great, I got, I got my news for the day and, and that's all I needed. Because now more than ever, we have the ability to, to stay stay up to date on on what's happening in the world and and when you realize that if you just worry about your own local world what's happening to you what's happening to your friends your family your community that's really all you need to care about right i mean obviously theoretically you know you want to have good good ideals but it's it's very hard to have an impact on anything happening anywhere other than your local your local area yeah. right well I can see where 90% of that can be true, where you're just like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're daily, you know, what you're going to serve. But it Mm -hmm. was like, you know, another reason why I started this organization is because I wanted to have a national and global impact. Sure. So like being able to change the way we're viewing these devices and reaching out to people that I would have never talked to before. So one of the things that has been really impactful for our family, you know, we have a big family. My husband and I have five five daughters. Every summer for I don't know how many years, 15 or 20 years, we have taken a three-week road trip. We put the kids in the car and we just drive places. And we've driven to every corner of the United States. Like we've been to 
46 states driven to, and we like do stuff and adventure and good for you. national parks and camp and go to all the cities and do all that. And I think that that has been a huge impact on their growth and like who they are as humans, because they can compare not only how well they have it, but they can see how other people live and they're able to like utilize that to become better humans. So that's, you know, I think the two things that people could do for themselves and for their families is travel and become educated in that higher education. Because I think that's, you know, when we're learning our histories and we're learning about other cultures, that's when we really can find out like what we can give back. Sure. So, and I think if everybody had a little bit more empathy for other people and other cultures, we would actually be a better society that wouldn't, you know, get into so many nasty wars and arguments or Facebook comment arguments, like oh my gosh. In, the, in the news <laughs> sections, yeah. just being able to understand where other people are coming from and their cultures we're more likely to be kind to other people. What's so, one of your favorite places that you've traveled to? So I, we love Yosemite. Like okay. Yosemite is one of my favorite places on the planet. Like I sure. absolutely love it. And then I'm very partial to London. So when I was in the military, I, I got to go there every year. So I've been quite a few times and I love, you know, that kind of European area of kind of England and France and Italy and that kind of area there. But yeah, there's so many great places to see, but like, we're so lucky here in the United States because we have so many beautiful national parks Mm -hmm. and it's all like, you can just drive away. I mean, like you mentioned being out in Rocky mountain national park, like we would go to Estes every fall, like Estes park and see that, you know, right there, Rocky mountains. And yeah, there's just so many great places. And I'm always like, do I love the ocean more or do I love the, the mountains more? And I, I think I love the ocean a little bit more, but I really, really love the mountains too. So it kind of goes both, both ways. See, and I'm definitely more of a mountain guy than an ocean guy. However, I did go to Portland, Oregon for the first time about, oh gosh, I think it would have been what, six, seven months ago. And mm-hmm. up in the Northwest on the beach was amazing. I mean, it was, I could wake up Did you do up Haystack there, Rock? Did not do Haystack Rock. We were just South of there and saw okay. rock that we thought was Haystack Rock. So for about a day and a half, we thought we had seen Haystack Rock yeah. <laughs> until we looked it up and realized we had, but that's amazing. such a cool place. Like I, we love Oregon and mm-hmm. yeah. So like Oregon doing like Haystack, like that was a place where we see, did tide pooling and we oh, yeah. saw like starfish that were like two foot in diameter, like purple and orange and like the coolest things. And then that crater Lake that's there in, that's amazing. Like you're just in that and you're, have you been there? No, uh-uh, like, but my so, buddy lives there. Yeah, you like you're there, and it feels like you're wearing filtered glasses because yeah. everything is so bright sapphire blue, and you're just like, this cannot be real. But like, just having those experiences, I think, especially for my daughters, like they love to travel now, and I yep. think that it's made them more empathetic. And mm-hmm. it really, even when it gets into like social justice issues, they really care about what other people are going through, even if they're not a, a part of that minority group. Sure. So I think that just those are the positives of social media, because there's a lot that can be said of like connecting, especially for younger students who live in small towns that maybe they they belong to the LGBTQ community and they Mm -hmm. can like relate or find somebody that they can talk to. So there's so many positive things. It's just those darn few negative things that, you know, that we're really trying to navigate. And really it's about you know, empowering those smart choices 
So you can focus on the positive and then hopefully be your own first line of self-defense from some of the negative. So from the, the mental health that kind of can degrade with it and especially that exploitation piece. Well, and, and so I guess on that note, then for someone that is a parent of younger children, what advice do you have for them when, I mean, when you, when you give numbers, like, you know, the, the, the average age is 10.3 years old of someone that has a smartphone, or I, I don't recall exactly your stat, but I mean, those are pretty shocking numbers that people that young have access to this stuff. But so how do you, what, what advice would you give a parent when they're trying to make that decision on a device or them giving access to the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing that we can tell parents is become educated and be intentional with technology. So one of the best things they can do is download our family digital plan and then just sit down with their parenting partner and say, you know, at what point will we give our kid a phone? At what, at what age will they, you know, is it allowed to text? And we actually step you through, you know, is your, is your kid ready for a phone? Do they spend time alone? Are they out at practice by themselves? Are they emotionally ready? Can they handle disappointment? There's some some kind of things and talking points we talk about. And then it's about really opening lines of communication. So when when you give a phone, making sure that you're using the restrictions that are on that phone. Like for example, Apple products has a great product. It's called Screen Time. And so it's right built into the iOS and parents can control their kids' phones and screen time from their own phone. So it's fantastic. And, and actually, you can set it to age appropriateness. So if you have a 10-year-old, you could put it to 9+, plus, and then they can't download Instagram because it only works for 13+. plus. Sure. So those are some really good things that you can do. And then just like know that it's coming. So right. the pressure to give your kids things that, you know, we've been hearing it forever. I'm the only one that doesn't have this, you know, like I'm sure we tried it on our parents too. Like we were, you know, the only one that didn't have a (laughs) Pac-Man or something. I don't know what it was for you, but just having that open line of communication with your kids of saying, you know what, like you're just not quite ready for it yet. Or when they are ready for it, treat it more like you would give them keys to a car. Like you would give them like a driver's ed class and you would like make sure they have a learner's permit before you actually let them drive by themselves. Mm -hmm. Technology should be no different because as soon as they have that piece of technology in their room at night or in their pocket, not only do they have peers in their pocket, but they also have predators in their pocket. So the most important thing that parents could do is being involved because since the beginning of the pandemic, child exploitation is up 97.5% online. It's very alarming of how much child exploitation there is. And the National Centers for Missing and Exploited Children in 2019, there was reported 64 million images of child sexual abuse material, which used to be called child pornography. So it's CSAM. So the fact that when we give these devices to our kids, we need to empower them with the tech, with the knowledge of saying like, I received this message and it makes me uncomfortable and they can come to their parent and talk about it Mm -hmm. without the fear of their parents going to take away the device. Cause that's usually what the kids are thinking in their mind is if I tell my mom this happened, she won't let me be on this platform anymore, or she's going to take away my phone. So part of what we do is break down those divides that we know that, that students trust 
that will, they'll go to their parents with anything goes wrong or if they make a 30 second bad decision. And then we work with the parents on coming up with parenting tools to make sure they know how to listen to their students, what, how to create a, a, like a safe digital wellness team. So we have products and we have services that we do that not only are a workshop format where we sit down with all of those different stakeholders, but we also do one-on-one interventions. So we have trained mediators on staff. So we mediate between single and multiple families. We meet. We mediate between like parenting partners that are no longer in the same household. So if a kid's going from one house to another, we help counselors and, and principals if there's like issues with technology. And then the most important thing we do is we actually have a really great responsibility and job that if somebody comes to us and they've been exploited online, we have FBI partners that we can call and we can help with a investigation being started within 24 to 48 hours. Wow! And then the coolest thing is, is we're so good at what we're doing that the FBI refers their clients to us too. No so kidding. Like, that's amazing for us that we've mm-hmm. built an organization that the FBI trusts what we're doing and that they actually have the clients of their children and families that have been exploited that they will say, hey, you need to go talk to Smart Gen Society. Absolutely. So that's that's what we offer here in the Omaha area. We're hoping to expand our organization nationwide, that in every FBI office and area, there's a Smart Gen office that offers that same service because we're the only nonprofit offering online exploitation services to citizens. So that's something that, again, it's like, we should be really proud of that we're cultivating this in Omaha, Nebraska. And that, you know, it's, it's something that we can take kind of that heartland common sense parenting and be able to spread that across the nation. That's fantastic. Well, I can't, can't thank you enough for what you guys are doing. It sounds, I mean, it sounds like very positive things. And I hopefully, I mean, as I move into later stages of my life and, and have children, I've certainly already will be taking, you know, some information from our conversation, but I will, of course, keep you in mind. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with? Any other resources or how can they, they learn more about Smart Gen Society? Yeah. So the best way to learn more about our organization is visit our website. So it's smartgensociety.org. And they can also call our Omaha office and that's at 402-505-3993. And they can get our email and everything else from there. I do want to also let your listeners know if they have businesses or corporations that they work at, we partner with those corporations to come in and do lunch and learn. So we can do a um, smart digital branding for uh, professionals we work with a lot of HIPAA compliance companies. So anybody that has, you know, employees with CNAs or um, mm-hmm. nurses, we work with those. And then a lot of times companies will come in and just have us do a parenting the iGen because they have a lot of parents that work for them of how they can keep their families safe. So a lot of the corporations in Omaha have, have used us before and we continue to go back like Mutual of Omaha and HDR and Union Pacific. So if any of your listeners are interested, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to come in and do some of those one-on-ones with your employees. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We will uh, we'll put your li- a link to your website in the show notes as well. And so again, it was great talking to you and it was great to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.